The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Eve. This is the Bad News Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about bus. Early bus for 2020. And I know what you're thinking. You're listening or you're watching and you're saying, why do I care about bus right now? Well, unless you're like a sick puppy, you're not drafting anytime soon. What do you mean? Best ball. Everybody's probably been over a thousand best ball drafts already. A thousand best ball drafts already? It's a total guess. Yeah, yeah I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> something that we can hang the hat on then. But I think that most people that are listening, kudos to you for listening about fantasy football, uh, especially now and. In late February with the combine going on and free agency about to kick off, the new year about to start, why are we delivering a bus list now? Well, the answer is simple. It's just to get you thinking just a little bit about some of the players that you might want to take a pass on when the drafts really start in August, September, when you get into your fantasy leagues with your buddies and your coworkers, or in the case of Heath, your best ball drafts, which are apparently happening now. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I'm Dave Richard. Heath Cummings, you've already heard from. Ben Gretsch is on board as well. We're going to be Debbie Downers for the next hour talking about guys that we just don't think you should put on your fantasy team. We'll make arguments for them, against them, just whatever the case may be. Maybe somebody here is actually on board with a guy that Heath doesn't like or Ben doesn't like or that I don't like. We'll get to it. And we've debated the biggest bust from 2019 Odell's name is going to come up again today. Le'Veon Bell's name, he was a bust last year. Will his name come up today? Baker Mayfield, he was a bust last year. We asked the FFT Facebook group, who will be the biggest bust of 2020? Who do you think the most common answer is? Heath, I'll ask you, and then I'll go to Ben Gretsch. Biggest bust, according to the Facebook group. Lamar Jackson. Okay, that's not a bad guess. Ben Gretsch. What did the Facebook group say? Who, who did they think the, the biggest bust of 2020 would be? Well, I can see the notes, so now all I can think about is the, the actual answer. But, but I think Heath's right. It should probably be the, the number one quarterback. The correct the, the answer, the most common answer, Ben didn't want to say it, I'll say it, Juju Smith-Schuster. Biggest bust in 2020, and Heath, you're making that Heath face. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be drafted in the first two rounds. He's probably going to be a third or fourth third round pick in our drafts and a fourth round pick in their drafts and so i disagree with you fft facebook group members facebookers you're wrong it makes you you wonder if they if some of them are reading it as biggest bust of 2019 you guys can't even read facebookers that's what ben (laughs) because he's in that he's in that discussion but in 2020 he's probably going to be a pretty good value what what would make him a good value just real quick give me a round uh, Roethlisberger healthy, so they're going to throw a lot more. I mean, that that is like number one A. That's what has to happen for him to be a value. But then uh, he has, you know, he has a long track record of success. We talked about it all offseason. Good good prospect profile. 
came into the league at 21, very, very productive right away. Uh, actually, I think he came in at 20. He was super, super yes. young. Yep. Um, so very productive so far to his career. This is really the first time that he, in 2019, is the first time he struggled. And a lot of that was injury to his quarterback and then injury to himself. And so, yeah, a little better health, a little more pass-heavy offense. I think really easy to see him bounce back. Three. Yeah, thank you for answering appropriately. Yeah, I think ben, correctly. You talked a lot. They didn't answer the question. Ben, would you take him in round three? Yes or no? Please, just yes or no. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I I thought he came in the league when he was fifteen, and Mike Tomlin was like the driver while he had his permit going to practice every day. But maybe I'm a little off on that. All right, so we are going to talk bus. The number one bust pick for you in 2020, personally speaking. For me, it's Todd Gurley. I'm going right back to the Gurley well. We'll talk about why a little bit later on. Heath, the number one guy on your list, the guy that you just are going to tell everybody, do not draft him. He's going to be a big bust. Well, and we have no ADP or anything besides best ball. And so I just had to use your rankings and Jamie's rankings and the guys that I disagreed with the most. And I see that Jamie has Mark Ingram as a fourth-round pick in PPR. Mm-hmm. You have Mark I'm Ingram even higher. as a third-round pick in PPR. I have Mark Ingram at the end of the sixth round in PPR. So I think Mark Ingram is the pretty clear answer. You're talking about a 30-year-old running back who just posted a career-best touchdown rate. He had five receiving touchdowns on like 17 catches or something. It was completely absurd. No way he's scoring 15 times again. And he's a, he's far more likely to get hurt than the younger running backs as well. Ben Gretsch, if your number one bust of 2020 is a running back, we'll go right into the running backs right now. We'll talk about all these guys. Who is it? Who's the number one bust this year for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm hesitant to even talk about this guy because I field more questions about him than almost literally any other player in the league combined. And I, I think that's probably true more than anyone else combined. But, um, you know, I, I'm I'm here to give you my opinion and based on my analysis. And I, it's Derrick Henry. I mean, it's still going to be Derrick Henry this year for me. I'm still going to be fading him. What he did at the end of the season was remarkable. He's a remarkable athlete. He's uh, an exciting player to watch. Doesn't catch enough passes. Um, and their offensive efficiency, the ridiculous rate of touchdowns that they uh, scored relative to field goals late in the season, the way that they capped off drives, which a big part of that was Derrick Henry being so effective in the red zone. But um, this is just not something that I see sustainable uh, is sustainable for this offense. And for this team, and, and again, Henry's a, a free agent, right? So he's probably going to sign some big deal. Now you have new money. It's it's a it's a really hard thing. And and then you add in how many carries he had in the in the postseason, and over 400 touches on the year. Really hard thing to imagine him repeating what he did last year. And he's almost certainly going to be overvalued. It's 409 touches between the regular season and postseason for Derrick Henry. Okay, so Derrick Henry has a current best ball ADP of ninth overall. So I think Ben still feels really good about that. Mark Ingram has a current best ball ADP of 40th overall, right in between you and Jamie. Mm-hmm. You guys have nailed the public perception there. Okay. So I still agree with that. Todd Gurley's best ball ADP is 37th overall. If he's, mm. if he's a fourth round pick, is he really a bust? Um, I mean, that's right around where I would take him. So if that's right. what the ADP is going to be, then it's going to be hard to call him a bust based on that. I think that that's exactly the type of spot where you can get Gurley and feel okay about him because you're drafting him again as a number two running back people didn't do that last year i'm hoping people don't do it this year because last year he had 14 touchdowns it was awesome for him that was 47 percent of his fantasy point total in non-ppr 40 percent in ppr that's that's a lot and he barely had over a thousand yards the knee still has to be an issue 
We don't know about the offensive line in L.A. We know that L.A. can throw the ball well. And Gurley wasn't a big part of that. And I wonder if Daryl Henderson takes a, a step in his second season. So, I mean, those are the, those right. are the highlights. We just went through the highlights for, for Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, and Todd Gurley as busts. I, I, I kind of can't help myself with Henry if I could just drag us back to, to Derrick Henry for a second. It, where, where is he playing? Well, let's assume he stays in Tennessee. Because he has said he wants Zeke money. And there's like 17 free agent running backs and 19 rookie running backs that could probably start in the NFL week one. So, okay, Titans technically sh- that's true. Titans I don't know if they can do what Derrick Henry, Henry can do. Zeke Zeke, I don't think they're going to give him Zeke money. I think they give him franchise tag. Money. Like, if you were, and I, I said this on Twitter, if, like, if I'm the Titans and the first thing he asks for is Zeke money, the first call I do make is Melvin Gordon and say, okay, what, what do you have to have for three years? And we'll just take him. Because Melvin Gordon can do things that Derrick Henry can't do. Now, there's things that Henry can do that Gordon can't as well. So, like, that's the reason I bring that complicated situation up is my biggest fear is Derrick Henry goes somewhere besides Tennessee. If he's back in Tennessee, I probably won't have him as a first-round pick in PPR. I'll probably have him as an early second. will probably mean that I don't get him. Mm-hmm. But I still will like him. I won't be as as uh, stubborn about it as Ben is. So, I, you know, I see the touches, the 409 touches, and I and I get the skeeves just like you do. And, and Jamie isn't a big fan of his either. He's got him ranked even lower than you do in PPR at 20. And I, I just I think back to how he ended 2018 and how he was just rumbling through defenses, and he comes into 2019, and what does he do? He rumbles through defenses. They keep giving him the ball. He seems to be healthy. He told us at, at Super Bowl week that he was ready for another 16-game season already. I don't know if that was just talk, but he's, there's no surgery in his future as far as we know. I think that he's going to be in pretty good shape for the start of the year, and he's talked about how he wants to be a better pass catcher, and that could be whether he stays in, in Nashville or he moves on to a different team. Who knows? I think Tennessee is going to be where he ends up. I'm nervous to say that he's a first-round pick in any format, especially PPR, because there's no guarantee that he's going to catch more passes. It would make sense that they get him more involved that way. But I just I think of all the touchdowns that he scores and the numbers that he puts up and the opportunities that he gets, and there aren't a lot of running backs that get those kinds of opportunities. And I wonder if, if it's a mistake to just immediately put an X through his name and say, I'm not taking him unless it's round two compared to other running backs that are on bus lists. They're going to be running backs that we're going to talk about today. It makes me it makes me a little hesitant to just automatically slap the bus label on him. Well, and I, I what's interesting is every I agree with everything that you guys both said. I like I personally am not automatically slapping the bus label on him. Right after the season I wrote a whole article just about Henry and uh, trying to break down how he was so successful and how those high-value touches and that trap stat that I talk a lot about missed on him. And pretty much my conclusion was is this guy's kind of an anomaly, and physically he is an anomaly. If, you know, we're, we're at combine season. If you look at his uh, his uh, weight-adjusted 40 time, I mean, it's all that stuff is very, very impressive. But if he's so undeniable that starting in the end of 2018 and, and coming through into 2019 – no one can stop this guy, and he's going to continue to be that good. How come it took him three years or four years for that to happen? And if he's going to be a better pass catcher, how come in four seasons he hasn't caught 20 passes yet? Because we've heard that from from him and, and people around the Titans every offseason pretty much, that 
they want to get Derrick Henry involved more in the passing game. And he was very good in the passing game last year. But I just don't understand, like, how, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't feel like stubborn is the right word. I feel like I look at his numbers. You talked about how many touchdowns he scores. The touchdown percentage he had last season is massively higher than his numbers prior and massively higher than what you would consider sustainable for any running back, even elite running backs. And then you you look at his uh, yards per carry being a career high, and you look at how effective he was in the past game. All of those efficiency metrics and and all the efficiency metrics for Tennessee's offense as a whole, and it's just really hard to envision a guy with this type of profile, this type of touch distribution, doing any better than he did last year. Last year was like the absolute peak season as far as I'm concerned. Agree. It was a 50, uh, I'm sorry, I was about to say a 53% touchdown percentage that would have been a little high how about five how about 5.3 percent does that sound better 5.3 percent of his rushes resulted in a touchdown in 2019 i'm doing the math right now i think in 2018 it was actually 5.6 yeah you're exactly right so if that's the case could he continue to score at a five percent clip both of you are probably going to say no i would be hard pressed to say yes but i also think that he's got a shot and there's very few running backs that can do it, get to 300 carries for a second consecutive season. So even if that percentage looked like a four, it's still nine touchdowns, something like that, eight or nine touchdowns. I would, like, I th- I'm sure I have him, or I don't actually have him projected because he's not on a team right now. I will project him for double-digit touchdowns, and there's not very many running backs that I would do that for, but it will probably be closer to 10 than 16. Where, where are you comfortable drafting Derrick Henry as of now? Late second, mid-second. Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think late second, early third. There are there are elements of me, like or parts of me that that are like, yeah, I, I just want to get some exposure to this guy in case he's just a freak, right? right. Just like so much better than, and it will will sustain this. So, um, you know, I, I'm not saying he's undraftable by any means. And I just I, I know that there's the injury risk because he's coming off a year with so much work. For some reason, and maybe it's the freak factor. I'm not as worried about it with him as I've been with other running backs in the past. So I I still have him as a first-round pick. I don't know if I'll stick with that, and that's assuming he stays in Tennessee. Let's talk about Mark Ingram. This is another running back that I've got ranked higher than Jamie and Heath and probably Ben as well. And let me just let me just put something out there. And when we talk about ranked higher, it, it might be by position, but when the numbers that we're giving, for example, in PPR, I've got Ingram ranked 40th overall. Jamie's 57th, Heath is 64th. One of my philosophies for 2020 is going to be hammer running backs early. And I'm probably going to devalue wide receiver just a little bit, and that's why the running backs, just in general, they're going to be pushed up higher for me across the board. The argument against Ingram is pretty easy here. He's a 30-year-old. He had 15 total touchdowns last year, so we can play the regression card with him. He was top 10 in non-PPR and fantasy points, fantasy points per game, and consistency. In full PPR, he was also 10th in fantasy points per game, but 19th in consistency, just didn't catch the ball nearly as much. Is is the feeling that he he could break down and, and the Ravens' offense could change a little bit, and that's why he would be on your bust list, Heath? I would expect that Lamar Jackson's pass attempts are more likely to go up than down. Um, because he was one of the lowest pass totals in the NFL amongst quarterbacks. When you look at Ingram's share of the rush attempts, and and the share of the running back rushes isn't very good, but the share of the rush attempts is what's really telling. He had 202 carries on a team that ran the ball 596 times. They're probably not going to run the ball 596 times again because teams just don't do that. 
And so 33.9% is where Ingram was at as a share of the Ravens carries. That's a lot. Rush attempts. That's that's really, really low for a t- – like I would venture to guess it's one of the lowest totals for a top 10 running back. In I, okay. Oh, okay. He had 30, I, was, I was saying that I thought that that was a lot. No, he had 33% of their carries. Well, do you As include a, Lamar Jackson's yes, carries in carries. there? Okay, so like I, when, I, when I would go through and I would double-check, not double-check, but I would go and look at that number again, comparing it to other running backs on the team. Percentage of running back carries, I would imagine that that's going to be but really high. That would be really high, but I don't think when you're on a team with Lamar Jackson, that's really that relevant. Lamar Jackson was the, okay. best, the best runner on their team. Um, and so like he led the team in rushing yards, even though the fact that Mark Ingram was a top-10 running back. So I, I think that hurts him if they open the offense up just a little bit. I do think his injury risk is higher. I think there is more risk of him losing carries to both Gus Edwards and Justice Hill because those guys are younger and have fresher legs, and I think the touchdown regression is coming. Ben, what do you see with Mark Ingram? Yeah, I agree with Heath. I mean, he mentioned earlier the five receiving touchdowns on only 26 catches, 29 targets. That's just not going to happen again. Uh, this is a guy who was always kind of a big touchdown scorer in New Orleans, but his career high in all those years was 12 touchdowns in a season. He ended up with 15. I mean, he was really high on the rushing touchdown side as well. I, I you know, I, I still think if he's back and 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 Baltimore's offense is still going to be very productive and efficient, he's going to still score touchdowns. But um, all the things that he said, he's not going to have a huge share of the offense. Uh, I think that we'll see more of those other backs. He's going to be uh 30 or just turned 30 in December, so he you know, he's he's in the in the back stage of his career. This is just a guy that I would not take as a as a number 1 back um or even, you know, number 2 in fantasy, but I, I just don't think he is anything close to what he was last year. You did you just say that you wouldn't take him as a number 2 running back in fantasy? So he, is he outside of your top 24? He's outside of my top 24. Yeah. Okay. He's real close to it in our consensus rankings, for sure. He's right near the border of a number two fantasy running back in our consensus rankings. Ben, another bus running back, Melvin Gordon. Now, this one's it's got to be team dependent, a little bit of that, a little bit of him getting paid and maybe regressing a little bit because of that because he can take his foot off the gas. He's finally got his bag. Um, Maybe age comes into it as well. What, What do you see with Melvin Gordon? Why is he on your bus list? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be team dependent. That's that's totally fair. But uh, similar to Le'Veon Bell is kind of the con- comparison I want to make. Gordon's going from a situation, and I'm assuming that he's leaving the Chargers, going from a situation where the the fantasy scoring potential on the team was very high for running backs. The Chargers led all teams last year in high-value touches. They throw to their backs. They use their backs in the green zone, both in the running game and the passing game in the scoring area. And they've been really strong in that category for a lot of years and Gordon's entire career because it's largely been a, a, a part of Philip Rivers' game. He likes to dump off to the backs and he likes to use them in the red zone. So my, my concern when I, when I compare him to Bell, Bell had that same kind of situation in Pittsburgh, maybe not as much scoring equity in, in Pittsburgh as Gordon had in, with the Chargers, but he had a better receiving role. When you change teams – the situation changes. The player still has those skills, but it, it makes things a lot more challenging. And we saw that with Bell this year. Still had a decent receiving role, but not nearly what it was in Pittsburgh. Obviously didn't get nearly as many scoring opportunities. You know, he was also really poor from an efficiency perspective and should be better in 2020. I don't know that we should expect Gordon to just drop off from an efficiency perspective on a new team. But I think outside of maybe one or two locations, he's almost 
guaranteed to lose some receiving work and some scoring potential. So I, I think wherever he lands, it's going to be a little bit more challenging for him to be an elite fantasy running back than it was with the Chargers. Except for my dream scenario of Derrick Henry asked for too much money and Melvin Gordon goes to the Titans. Sure. I mean, that then he it might would be, be great. A, he might be a top 12 running back. He could be. But other than that, I pretty much agree with everything Vincent. And and I get it. And I've got him ranked. I've got him 29th overall. Um, I'm trying to stay optimistic about Melvin Gordon. I liked how consistent he was last year. Uh, he was number 10 in running back consistency in PPR, 12th and non. Uh, still average 14.2 PPR fantasy points per game. That was top 15 at his position. And that's with a couple of games where he had to knock the rust off when he came back from his holdout. I'm I I agree that where he ends up is going to be huge for for his value and if he ends up sharing somewhere of course he's going to be down to being like a round 4 round 5 type of a pick but if he's a lead back like we've seen from him before I still think we can get maybe one or two more good seasons out of him and he can really give us great value in fantasy. Melvin Gordon uh Heath you're looking at him at the end of round 4, Jamie would do something similar. I think he's a round 3 pick as it stands right now. Uh, let's talk Gurley. I, uh, I've got him ranked the lowest of the three of us. Heath, you've got him 27th overall. I've got him 38th overall. His yards per carry dropped in a major way from 2018 to 2019. Same thing with yards per catch. Uh, his explosiveness waned. I don't have a stat to back it up, but I saw him. He, he was very, when he was explosive, he was very here or there. We all know about the knee issues. Still finished as, as running back 14 in PPR and non-PPR. I talked about how important the touchdowns were for him. If, if those touchdowns come down like they can for Derrick Henry and for Mark Ingram, what's left to like about Todd Gurley? Yeah, I think the, the interesting thing with Gurley is like you can look at his touchdowns and say, man, there's no way he scores that many touchdowns again. Or you can look at his touchdowns and say that's the worst rate in the last three years. He scored touchdowns a lot better than two years before that. He's probably going to score more touchdowns next year. Now, he's probably not, but I do think he could still score double digits in that offense, assuming that he plays 15 games. I was actually kind of encouraged by how the knee held up and how like they kept saying throughout the year, no, it's not really a concern. No, it's not really a concern. And they, they kind of treated him like that. The problem was the offensive line was just terrible, and they could not run the ball, and they didn't use him the same in the passing game, I think because they didn't have the same um, ability with that offensive line to use the screen game. As of right now, I'm expecting the offensive line is going to be better than it was last year. I think it's more likely. I, th like, I think... There should be probably some disagreement or agreement, however you want to phrase it, with how you rank Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, and Tyler Higby. It's likely that one of those three is not going to be near as good. It's it's possible that two of those three aren't near as good. If if one if Higby gets the same target share he did in the last six weeks last year, uh, he might ruin Cooks and Gurley. But I, I think it's more likely that things normalize to some degree where they were the first two years in this offense in terms of usage. He had 15 or more carries in half of his games last year. We're used to that number being higher. The fact that it was what it was tells me that they were a little bit concerned about how much wear and tear they put on Gurley and how much work that they put on his plate. Here, just in September alone, he had 14 carries in week one, 16 carries after that, 14 after that, and only five carries in a loss against Tampa Bay. That was a, a game with 95 points in it. And Todd Gurley had five carries. He did score twice. He scored on two of the five carries. And he also had seven catches for 54 yards. Those were both season highs for him. 
that was just a matchup where I guess the Rams took to the air because they had to try and, and, and compete with Tampa Bay in that I, one. I do think, though, like if they were concerned about Todd Gurley's knee, it didn't manifest itself towards the end of the year because you look at his carry totals towards the end of the year, and he had one with only six, but he had a 25-carry game in November, a 19, 23, a 20 in December. Like He, he had a lot of work at the end of the season. That, that It sounds to me like he was getting stronger and not weaker. 88 carries in his final five games, all of them in December, the last five games of the season. <clears throat> he had five touchdowns rushing in those games. He had another one receiving, and if you extrapolate that over 16 games, we're talking about... 19 total touchdowns so he did finish strong and I wonder if that was also just part of the plan with him and I don't know we don't know what the plan is going to be with him going to 2020 other than he's going to be on the Rams at least in theory and and, and we'll see how he does Ben do you, do you have a take on Todd Gurley are you as excited about him bouncing back or do you think it's just going to be what it is with him as a number two fantasy no, running back yeah I kind of I kind of agree with most of what he said I I have a really hard time with aging backs that, you know, we see the efficiency fall off because you don't necessarily know if it's ever going to come back. You know, there's there's guys that just kind of fall off a cliff. Now, he's not old. He was a very young player. You know, I'm always talking about age. He should be just entering his prime. I think there's potential for him to bounce back. Um, I think, you know, we I, I was just talking about team situation for Melvin Gordon, and he hit on it with the offensive line struggling and the whole Rams offense struggling compared to the two seasons prior he led the NFL in touchdowns each of the two seasons prior, but the whole situation changed for him with the team not being as productive, and that is definitely going to impact his ability to to rack up fantasy points. Um, so it's you know if you think the Rams are going to have a, a big bounce back season, there's certainly potential for him to have 12, 15 touchdowns. He's you know he showed it a couple of years uh, in the last three, like he said, but I, I tend to agree with most of what you guys said that it's it's probably not promising. Well, I think that there should be a distinction because, like, we use the term bounce back. If if I thought Todd Gurley was going to bounce back, I should rank him as a top five back. Like, he was the number one. Like, I, he right, finished 12th last year. I've got him ranked 14th at the position. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily projecting any sort of bounce back. He's just going to be what he was last year. You or think, or you think like he a just little, maybe a little better. Maybe a little, a little bit better. A little better, yeah. How do you have him compared to a couple of other running backs? I don't know. Maybe I heard that you've got him on your bus list this year. Leonard Fournette and Joe Mixon. Leonard Fournette and Joe Mixon. These guys are younger. They've got some appeal. Mixon especially might have some appeal. But you're not feeling them. And our consensus rankings, He's uh, Fournette. We'll start with Fournette. Uh, Fournette's ranked ninth, PPR, non-PPR. I've got him ninth overall. I would take him with a first-round pick. Jamie will take him 16th overall. Heath, you have him at 21st overall, so late second-round pick. On Leonard Fournette, what's the big deal? And I do have Fournette ahead of Gurley. I am like when I first did my rankings, I think I might have had Leonard Fournette close to number f- the top five, um, but that was when John DeFilippo was still their offensive coordinator, and that was before the stuff came out about they're probably not going to pick up his fifth year option, which they probably don't want to give him a big contract, which tells me that this could be his last year. And Reichwell Armstead, Armstead, Pete talked about multiple times last year how much they like him. So, listen, Fournette's usage last year, if you told me for sure he was getting that, I would have no problem with him as a first-round pick. I'd be talking about touchdown regression and how that's definitely he's definitely going to score more. I'm concerned with the change in offensive coordinator going to Gruden, someone who has definitely used a second pass-catching back in the past, and also with the concerns about do they want to start transitioning away from Leonard Fournette um, he, he's still a second round pick for me, but someone that for me would be more in the Derrick Henry range 
than in the first round, which I guess you've got both those guys in the first round. But I do. I do. But I'm also, you know, crazy running back guy. So I'm always looking for. for and for and I know that so. Ben agrees with me on this one because he was actually making the argument back when I was high on Leonard Fournette in January. Uh-huh. So <laughs> he finished. He finishes RB seven in PPR. He was eleventh in consistency. He was RB sixteen in non PPR. Those catches really made a difference for him. He was twenty second in consistency in non PPR. Only three touchdowns. He had twenty three carries inside the ten. I don't know exactly where that ranks, but that seems like a pretty good number over the course of 16 games. And he had over 1,600 total yards, a career-high 1,674 total yards. And I would almost almost think that he could be motivated by not getting the fifth-year option from the Jaguars to go out there and play. You're right about Gruden. He has used a second back in, in plenty of stops. I don't know if he never, if he ever really had a great running back in Washington, I mean, he got, he gave Adrian Peterson a thousand yard season, and I think Alf had his last thousand yard season with him with Gruden there. Um, but he could ask for a third down back to come in and help ease the load on Fournette. That would absolutely crush his value, and it would send him down my rankings as well. Ben, what do you have on Fournette? Yeah, the the coordinator changes is huge, and that's a big concern for me. My other question, you know, you mentioned contract year. Are we sure that Leonard Fournette is, like, that good? Like, are we sure that a little extra motivation is going to mean uh, a really good season? I I kind of hesitate. You know, he was a top-five pick. He was very dominant in college, but he's never really showed that dominance at the NFL level other than, you know, being able to hit on some big runs. But um, I know I, I've seen stats throughout his career where if you remove the big runs for every back and you look at, you know, their, their kind of their consistency on a, ru- a rush by rush basis and, and how good their YPC is, their, their yards per carry without those big plays, Fournette consistently ranks really low in those types of metrics. Now, some of that can be offensive line, but I'm just not sure he's somebody who is much better than a replaceable back other than the fact that he was, uh, you know, a top five pick, which I think we just kind of, uh, you know, assume that he's that good, but I don't know, man. I, I, I still am just not sold on the talent. He uh, he, he definitely I, – I, I think he's warranted that type of criticism because he hasn't come through the way that other former top 10 NFL-drafted running backs have done. Um, you talked about his efficiency. He's got 25 career runs of 15-plus yards. Half of them came last year. Uh, he's got a frustrating injury history. Gruden averages around 22.5 running back rushes per game. Uh, that's over his time with Cincinnati and Washington. It was lower than that with Washington, higher than that with Cincinnati. I don't know if he's had a running back that is as, uh, quote, good as Fournette is um, in his previous stop. So I guess I'm still a little bit optimistic about how Fournette can do in this offense, but I think a huge factor will be whether or not Chris Thompson follows Gruden from Washington to Jacksonville. And there's a third down back there that's going to take all these catches that were so crucial to Fournette last year away from him. And it would send his value tanking and it would make him a pretty clear bust candidate. Joe Mixon is your other bust candidate, Heath? Yeah, I just saw, I think you and Jamie both had him as a top 10 pick. Yep. And uh, we it's certainly not out of the ordinary for the way that we viewed Joe Mixon going into almost every season of his career. But I'm not yet convinced that the situation in Cincinnati is going to be one that allows him to do that. Now, if they go into the season and say we're going to treat Joe Mixon like a workhorse 
three down back and they've made significant improvements to their offensive line, then maybe I'll feel differently. But as of right now, I just like we've seen Joe Mixon be a very solid number two running back. And that situation in that situation, that means that he is a very good running back. I'm not sure that that gives me reason to ju- like, I don't know why I would draft him ahead of those wide receivers that I feel relatively confident are going to be number one wide receivers. Do I have it right that you would take Fournette ahead of Mixon? I have Fournette currently ahead of Mixon. Okay. Uh, I, I, I love how Mixon finished last year. And it, mm-hmm. it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with what the, the Bengals coaches admitted to. They admitted that the first half of the year they weren't using him the right way. They changed some things during their bye week, and he was able to really capitalize on it. Averaged over 15 non-PPR fantasy points per game in his final eight games. He had six of eight games with 10-plus non-PPR fantasy points. Six of his last eight with 15-plus in PPR. He averaged 17.4 in PPR. Um, and, and I think that he's going to continue to be that lead back for Cincinnati. I think the offensive line will get a little bit stronger. I think adding Burrow at quarterback, and Burrow came out of the combine this week and said, whoever drafts me, I'm going to play for him. So I think him being in Cincinnati will be a good thing. I think it'll be really good for Joe Mixon now that the coaches know what they have in him and how they can use him. I'm actually a little nervous about the schedule for him, and obviously playing against Baltimore and Pittsburgh twice a year, that's not going to be good for him. You know, he only has one career touchdown and one 100-yard game in his career against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Well, and he, he had a good game against Baltimore last year. He just didn't score, but right. so but that's much, the one with 100 yards. So much of that hot finish was the Browns. Mm-hmm. So much. Like he had 360 yards and three touchdowns in two games against the Browns. Mm-hmm. He still didn't really get, like he had two games with four targets in those last eight games. Um none with more than four targets. So I don't like they he did have very good numbers and he had he had a good rushing total against the Patriots as well but so much of all those numbers that you gave it how good he was in the last six or eight games were influenced by the fact that he ran over one of the worst run defenses in the NFL twice in four weeks okay so as we 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 talk about these running backs and guys that are potential busts you'll remember the names it's Mixon it's Fournette for Heath for me it's Todd Gurley I brought up Derrick Henry I don't think he's going to be a bust but there's a case to be made Ben Gretsch has Melvin Gordon and Mark Ingram. Remember these names and think about them in comparison to other wide receivers that you might consider drafting ahead of them in the coming weeks or months. Those are our bust running backs here on the FF FF Today, the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I've only been on the show for like 15 years. I I should probably get the name of it by now. We've got a newsletter on top of a podcast and a video show and a YouTube stream. We've got it all. The newsletter's part of it. CBSSports.com backslash newsletter is where you can go to stay up to date with fantasy football content sent straight to your inbox all off season long. So you don't have to go to the website to find the latest work from Heath Cummings, from Jamie Eisenberg, from Ben Gretsch, from Dave Richard. It's all going to be sent right to you every single day in your inbox. That's what the newsletter is for. You can sign up for it. CBSSports.com backslash newsletter. Uh, we've sent out prospect profiles this week. Ethan and I have started tackling some of the top draft prospects in the 2020 NFL draft. Um, quarterbacks, uh, he, you did Jacob Eason. You were kind of did. impressed with him, uh, kind of. Yeah, he's okay. I mean, okay. He might he might be okay. So I think the comp that I used was Joe Flacco. So I wasn't that impressed. Well, I mean, Flacco's been in the league a long time. I'm sure Eason would take a career like Flacco's right away. Right. But we're we're starting to get into that. So if you're a dynasty player. You can sign up for the newsletter. You'll get information like that sent straight to you. You'll think we're reading your mind because we're helping you get your teams ready to go. Once again, that's cbsports.com backslash newsletter, all one word. Bus quarterbacks, 
There's only three of them, but one of them's an interesting one, and that's Ben's. We'll save that one for last. Mine's Cam Newton. I think it's pretty easy to put the bus label on him because Is he's it? coming off of an injury. Well, look, he's coming off of a Liz Frank sprain. We don't know how healthy he's going to be. We think now that he's going to be on Carolina. There's a report from NFL Network saying that the Panthers are moving forward with Cam as their quarterback in 2020. He finishes quarterback 13 in 2018, completed 56% of his throws in 2019. He only played two games. He was quarterback five in 2017. He's got great potential. We know what he can do. The question is, will he be the same guy? And he's got to learn a new offense, by the way. I th- I just think, like, if you look at, because this was all compared to where we had ranked versus other guys had ranked. And J- Jamie and I have him ranked as an 11th round pick. Mm-hmm. And he's been a top five quarterback every year that he's played 15 games. And he was the number 13 quarterback as recently as 2018. So I don't. Like, if you are drafting now and don't know about the health of Cam Newton and want to use an 11th or 12th round pick on the upside that he's good, I don't I don't think busts come from the double-digit rounds. No, but it could be a waste of a pick. I think Ben Roethlisberger has more upside. Oh, I don't know. How, I mean, how, how is that possible? Cam Newton was like the best quarterback in fantasy. Because They're Ben Roethlisberger off major injuries. And Ben Roethlisberger in 2018, and yes, he's coming off an injury to his arm, Cam to his... But I, I think it's a better opportunity for him Ben's like to go 40, off. 40 years old. Uh, he's, he's close to it. He's older than Cam for sure. Um, I like them both. I, I, I think look, you're both right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's other quarterbacks that you're going to be able to find late too. Like Jared Goff. Yeah. I know that no one's ever excited about Jared Goff, but you look back at his numbers and you think, wow, he actually did better than expected. He's going to be a good late round pick. He's going to be a good second quarterback. Joe Burrow is going to be a very popular late round pick. People are going to take him. I, I, I would almost guarantee as soon as the draft happens, Joe Burrow is going to be going before Cam Newton. Sure. Yeah. I would I would and I but I think he might be but a better bus pick. Cam Newton's going to be playing in the offense that Joe Burrow played in last year. He's going to be playing with Joe Brady, the, the offensive coordinator and and that's going to be pretty promising for his 2020 especially with the weapons that they have uh dj moore curtis samuel christian mccaffrey ian thomas i mean that's that's a really athletic group so i think newton could definitely bounce back i'm more interested in Heath's bus pick kyler murray heath what is he you're not buying you're not drinking the kool-aid are you just just real quick because i did look Joe Burrow already has uh, three rounds higher ADP than than Cam Cam newton Cam newton's in the 13th or 14th round okay um yeah, I don't want to call Kyler a bust, but right now I'm just looking at where I've got him projected versus where and Dave, Dave and Jamie have him ranked. I think one of you has him ranked ahead of Dak, maybe even ahead of Deshaun Watson. Is he is he number four for somebody? He's four for me. Um, He's ahead of Dak for me. Yeah, I I hope that he does that. I agree that he has that upside. I think if we get to a point to where Kyler Murray is being drafted in the fifth round as the fourth or fifth quarterback off the board. That's a mistake based on what we've seen so far. The Cliff Kingsbury experiment in year one did not deliver great results. They were below average in terms of their offensive plays. They Their offensive line was every bit as bad as we were concerned. They drafted 17 wide receivers, and they all sucked. And so like, I would like to see some a little bit more. I still think that Kyler has just as much upside as anyone. But I think drafting him fourth or fifth at quarterback is a mistake when there are guys like Dak who just gave us 
the number two quarterback season. So we know he has an immense upside as well, especially if Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are there. And he's much, much, his floor is much higher. I think Jameis has just as much upside as Kyler Murray, and he was better for fantasy last year. So that's my only, I, it's not a negative Kyler Murray thing. I don't think that he's like an NFL bust. I think if he gets surrounded by the right circumstances, he could absolutely be a very good NFL quarterback. I worry about drafting him as a top five quarterback. Yeah, I'm banking on those circumstances improving for him. And the offensive line, I actually went back and checked just where pro football focus had him graded for whatever it's worth. And they were in the top half. I think they were 16th in run blocking, but 13th in pass blocking last year, according to PFF. And that's, you know, a group of people that are watching these guys and evaluating them. And listen, there are a lot of bad offensive lines in the league, so maybe they were just one of the better bad offensive lines in football. But that's where they ranked. Arizona was also 26th in red zone touchdown efficiency. They scored on 15.7% of their red zone trips, touchdowns they scored. And that's according to Pro Football Focus. That's a number that I think that they can improve on. They should, yes. If it, for a for a quarterback that had been in the league for a little while with a coordinator that had been in the league for a little while, I would say that screams to me. Well, that's probably going to regress next year. Mm-hmm. I think there's also a chance when we have no other history with these two, but last year you have to consider the possibility they were bad in the red zone. They were not good at getting people open in those situations, and maybe that was yeah. the receiver's fault. Maybe it was Kingsbury's fault. Maybe it was Kyler's fault. Um, but I like we need to see them improve before, or I do. I, I just I love. Really, oh, go ahead, Ben. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I I really like Kyler Murray, but it does kind of scream what we did with Baker Mayfield last year, where we kind of said there were some you know positive things for last year's number one overall pick and his rookie season, and now I want to project forward all this upside in year two, and I did it um, with with Baker Mayfield last year. I took him in leagues and. You know, it's it's kind of taking him higher than where you can really project him. But then there's also the Lamar Jackson side, right? Like we we kind of did the same thing with Lamar Jackson, and there's a lot of excitement around Jackson, and that that proved to to be valid. And and Murray definitely has that dual threat ability that he could be more like Jackson. But I I can definitely see why he's concerned that it's going to be more like like Baker. And, and again, like I got if if it was. Based on ADP, and he was the seventh quarterback going in the seventh or eighth round. I would. There's no way I would have called him a bust. Right. It was but, just because of what I was comparing him, him to. Is round yeah. six too soon for Kyler? It's too Murray? soon for me. Okay. Because I think he's okay. If if you like him, if you like the potential that he's got, I think that's where you target him. Is round six, and if that is before Dak and Russell Wilson, then so be it. There's a lot of things that can change between now and then, but for now, I look at those first eleven games that Kyler Murray played. He was awesome in seven of them. The end of the season was brutal. He, he definitely hit some sort of a wall there. There's more that can certainly be learned by watching the film, but I think that there is some huge upside for Kyler Murray to finish as a top-five fantasy quarterback. So I disagree with the bus call on Kyler Murray. Okay, Ben, you can't give us a name for your quarterback bust. So talk about what you're, what you're doing here. Yeah, well, I mean, I... I could I, I could give you a name. I could tell you Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the upside he used to or anything. But I do think the the clearest bust in 2020 is going to be whoever goes QB three in every draft because we can talk all day about Lamar and Patrick Patrick Mahomes going too high, but they're still going to go very high. And the third quarterback is going to get pulled up because of that in almost every single draft. We saw it last year with the tight ends, and we talked about it last year, and I still fell victim to it with Evan Ingram and OJ Howard. Um, 
and Hunter Henry being kind of that second tier and and thinking that they were probably getting pulled up by Kelsey and Ertz and Kittle. I think Kelsey and Ertz and Kittle deserve to be drafted where they were, and then there should have been an even bigger gap than what we saw into that second tier. And that's going to be the exact same situation at quarterback this year. There's a lot of good names behind Jackson and Mahomes. I do think Jackson Mahomes will be overdrafted, but at least with those guys, you have like historic potential upside, right? Mahomes already has a 5,050 season, one of only two in NFL history. Jackson just broke the NFL rushing record last year. Looks like he could potentially be a fantasy cheat code for his entire career. Beyond that, you have really good quarterbacks and a lot of reasons to like them. But if you're taking Deshaun Watson or Dak or Kyler or who or Russell Wilson, whoever you think is that third quarterback, those guys are all in a tier. And you just shouldn't be taking those guys, in my opinion, in the fifth or sixth round. At, at that point, you, you wait. You either pay up for one of the two potentially historic players or you wait. I, I just haven't given up. And, and I know you were on my side in this discussion last year. Um, I just haven't given up on the idea that Deshaun Watson is potentially a historic player. You look at him as a passer compared to past NFL passers in his first three years. He's been incredible. You look at him for fantasy production, his rookie year, he was at 29 fantasy points per game for half a season. Each of the last two years, he's been at 24 fantasy points per game. And there's been, there's been reasons we thought that could have been just a little bit better. So I, I do kind of think that maybe Deshaun Watson deserves to be viewed not as Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, but as someone that has that same type of upside. It comes down to how you feel about that third quarterback relative to the fourth right. quarterback, fifth quarterback, and sixth quarterback. Because I get what Ben's saying. There's a tier there. And if the third quarterback is just as good as the sixth quarterback, why would you go and get that quarterback first Agreed. when you can wait a little bit? Now, in a snake draft, it could be a little bit different if it's, if it's late round four. You know you're picking again in an early round five, so you could always wait you know, three or four picks, and if all those quarterbacks are there, you just take the best one that you like. But let's say it's round five, and you know by the time you get back in late round six, there's a chance that those quarterbacks could be gone. So I think if, if, if one of your favorite quarterbacks, not named Mahomes or Jackson, are there in early round five, I, I think it's not wrong to take one of them there. I don't think it's going to be that big a mistake, but it also comes down to how quarterbacks are drafted in your league. Uh, let's talk about wide receiver busts. Keith uh, Keenan Allen is the top name on yours. We talked about him a little bit on a podcast earlier this week, 28 years old. Uh, we now know that he's going to get a new quarterback to play with in L.A. His yards per catch declined over each of the past three years. I tried to find his yards per route run, couldn't find that number, nor could I find how it was related to other receivers in the NFL. But I'm curious if, if, if we're looking at him now as a declining player and it almost doesn't matter who his quarterback is, in LA and that he's just got to be viewed as target hog. Who's not as sharp as he once was. I don't think that it doesn't matter who his quarterback is. I, I think that like I could maybe be convinced if Tom Brady went there and Keenan Allen was going to play that slot role for Tom Brady, that he could have another year or two of that grade of play. Like on a yards per target basis, he was at eight last year. That's not that far from where he's been most of his career. It's not as good as he was the three years before or the two years before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's I don't necessarily think like Keenan Allen's skill is deteriorating. But you look at what he's been. He's always needed a ton of targets because he's not extremely efficient. And he also doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. He scored eight touchdowns once in his career, and that was his rookie year. No more than six since then. And I think right now, the way I'm projecting it, there's not much hope. The quarterback situation 
is be- as good as it was last year. Right. I think they're going with Tyrod to start the year, and then a rookie's taking over at some point. It it makes the most sense that that's what they do because right. I, I don't know if they they talk about trying to make a splash because they're playing in this new stadium with the Rams in L.A. and I just don't think Brady's going to end up there. It sounds like Cam's not going to go anywhere. So who would that quarterback be? Well, it probably would be a rookie, and Justin Herbert should fall into their lap. He could be their guy, and when Herbert has protection and time to throw, he, he can make all the throws. He's, right. he's, he's going to be a good quarterback, provided that he's got those things going for him. Uh, ben, is does it matter with quarterback for Keenan Allen? Do you feel the same way about Keenan Allen? Jamie's got Keenan Allen. Let me just say this. Keenan, or Jamie's got Keenan Allen 38th in his PPR rankings. I'm right behind him at 41. I still view him as a round four type of a pick, and he's got him around later than that, 54th. Uh, Keenan Allen, quarterback matters a lot, a little. Where do you stand? Yeah, a lot, quite a bit. Um, and I agree with Heath. I don't think his skills deteriorate at all. I've always been a huge Keenan Allen fan. I think he's going to be fantastic um, in real life, just in terms of earning targets and making plays and, and catching passes. It's just that Phillip Rivers, again, talked about this with the Chargers offense, a timing short area, the th- field thrower, and then takes his deep shots. He's the kind of guy, and he's been Allen's quarterback Allen's entire career now, the kind of guy that works really well with the types of routes that Allen runs, these option routes, uh, read routes. Allen's a phenomenal route runner and gets open in the short area of the field, and, and Rivers gets the ball to him on time. I don't know that Tyrod Taylor is the is the right type of quarterback for that. I think he's actually probably the wrong type of quarterback for that and will um, um, be more of a guy who extends plays right and takes shots downfield. Mike Williams, I think, could potentially actually even have a better season than Keenan Allen this year if Tyrod Taylor is their starter. I think that works better for his skill set. So, little concern there. But, you know, you mentioned yards per outrun. Keenan Allen still over two last year, one of only 20 players, um, you know, qualifying players to, to be that that high. Was still very good last year. Will continue, I think, to be a very good player it's just a question of whether he can get the volume he needs to continue to be as productive as he's been. So last year he had over 100 catches. I feel like he's got to be a contender for that to even warrant being a top 50 pick. I think he can be in the offense. The quarterback might be gone, but the system is still there. And I don't think Allen's route running is going down. I don't know if his explosiveness is where it was three or four years ago. You could say that about a ton of wide receivers in the National Football League. I think he's still a good wide receiver. I'm not just. I'm. I'm not sold on him being. I, I. I'm. I feel like I'm riding the fence on Keenan Allen. I don't think he's one of. I don't think we're taking him where we took him last year. We were talking about him. I believe as a top thirty-ish type of player in PPR last year, and now it, it almost feels like a discount is being put in because of the quarterback situation. And I would get on board with that. I think that he'd be a good wide receiver that I would settle for in round four and i don't like the system is the same as what it was at the end of last year correct because they changed offensive coordinators mid-season but it was basically the same type of system so i don't think there's going to be a major overhaul there it's going to be the quarterback that has to learn the system and keenan allen's been in it for a while so it it doesn't concern me quite as much one guy that's been really concerning and and someone who again he's on your bus list adam thielen he's our consensus wide receiver 17 in ppr 14 and non uh, Jamie and I have him as an early fourth round pick. You've got him kind of in that same zone. It's almost the same story as Keenan Allen. We're comfortable taking him in round four. You're going to wait a little bit longer on Thielen. 17 plus PPR points in three of his first six games. So he proved that he could still get it done. Then he got hurt last year. What what makes you nervous about Adam Thielen? And then I'll, I'll give you my reason why I'm nervous about Adam Thielen. Maybe it'll be the same thing. Well, two, a couple of things. One, Adam Thielen's 30. 
which I think shocks everyone because it doesn't feel like he's been in the league near long enough to be 30 years old. 30 is not historically a good age for wide receivers, and it's a place where you at least start considering that skills might start to deteriorate. Maybe more concerning than that, I'm just going to read off his yardage totals from last year on a per, on ga- in game. Mm-hmm. 43, 75, 55, 6, and he played 95% of the snaps in that game. 130, 57, 27, 0, and he played 93% of the snaps in that game. I'm terrified, really, of both Thielen and Diggs. I think you guys may have them separated by a little bit more than I do. I've got them in a similar spot, but I just don't I don't think Mike Zimmer's got him to the playoffs. I know the offensive coordinator is changing, but he's running the offense in terms of how much they're going to run the ball and how much they're going to throw the ball. They have a very, very good defense. I don't think there are enough targets for both Thielen and Diggs to be great. And so... I, I to pile on to that comment is this stat that I recovered today. Twice in 2019 and only four times in 2018 did Adam Thielen and a running back on the Vikings both have 15 plus PPR fantasy points in the same game. So I, I just think that there's not enough football to go around here based on what Minnesota does. And of all the players that we've talked about today, this is the first one where I look at my rankings and I go, you know, I've got them too high. And there is a good reason to take a step back on him because um, the volume has to be there, especially in PPR, for Thielen to come through. I know he got off to a decent start last year, but if we're going to say that Dalvin Cook's going to continue to do the thing that Dalvin Cook does, and if Alexander Madison is going to pick up any slack that Dalvin Cook leaves behind, it's going to hurt Adam Thielen's chances. His best production has come when the Vikings have not been able to run the football, and it sure looks like the Vikings are going to be able to run the football in 2020 and beyond with Cook and Alexander Madison. So I certainly have Adam Thielen ranked too high. Ben Gretsch, do you have anything to add here, or do you want to start talking about your bus receiver? Let's let's jump into my bus. All right. Keenan Allen was one of your busts. We already talked about him. Yeah. Devontae Parker. Is this just... Is it as simple as, well, he had one great year, let's see him do it again because he had four really sucky years before that? Or are there other things that just stand out to you about Parker that makes you want to just not have him on your fantasy squad? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. First 16-game season of his career as well, and he was also injured his senior year in college and and had some injury issues before that. So this is a guy who you don't really want to necessarily buy into right away the first time that he gets through a full season healthy. And he was still banged up this past year. He just, you know, was able to play through some things. Um, But I I think a a bigger issue for me, even looking at 2019, breaking it down, he he had a 7.7 yards per target in the first half of the season, which was almost identical to Preston Williams. Then Preston Williams goes down. Ryan Fitzpatrick takes over. We know Fitzpatrick was willing to just sling the ball around. That number, 7.7 yards per target, jumped to 11.1 in just the second half of the season. Really, I mean, that's all promising. And Fitzpatrick could very well be their week one starter, but I don't know that he'll be a 16-game starter. And when you start to look at what he did last year as a whole in the whole season, 9.4 yards per target, 7% touchdown rate. Compare that to his prior career stats, 7.9 yards per target, and a 3.2% touchdown rate on 280 career targets prior to last year. You see that that bump last year really kind of out of the out of the ordinary and and then and then you look at those splits it really was only the second half of the season 
where they were really willing to th- just chuck the ball around because his first half yards per target was a lot closer to those career numbers. So do we really think that this second half of the season has now you know, made Devontae Parker a clear uh, upper echelon receiver or when Preston Williams is healthy – that it might not be that effective. So I, I'm the high guy on Devontae Parker, and I'll just repeat what I said earlier uh, this week. I don't know when Preston Williams is going to be back and if he'll be as effective as he was earlier in the year. I don't think the Dolphins' defense is going to take steps to be a much stronger unit. I think they're going to allow plenty of points. I don't have a clue what they're going to do at running back and whether or not that's going to be an effective part of their offense. I think they're going to fall into a lot of similar game scripts as last year. And if Devontae Parker is going to be their number one receiver, I think he's going to get the opportunity to put up good numbers again. And I think if whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tagovailoa's name has been linked to the Dolphins, I think that these guys can get the ball to him. So I, maybe I'm going to be a sucker over this one, maybe not. I do feel a little suckery saying that he's a round four pick in PPR. I think round five is probably... Uh, it feels a little bit safer, and if I can get him in round six, that would be even better. But I, I, I do think there is some potential here for Devontae Parker to keep this up to a degree. I don't. I, where did he finish last year as a, as a wide receiver? Twelfth. Um, he was right around there. I don't think he can get back there, but I think he can still be a useful part of a fantasy squad and a guy that you'll look at and say, "All right, he's my number two receiver to start the year." Hopefully he can he can keep some of what he had last year. I I'd love to draft him in round six or seven. I I, I get it. I totally there's and I, so, I I know there's people out there who feel that way. There's so many uh, good young receivers that are still going to be available in those rounds. I will never take Devon. I mean I don't think he's a bad value in the sixth or seventh round. I will never take him there. Uh, I'll just give you because some names. of the options. Okay, so DJ Chark or Devontae I will still Parker? take Will Fuller over Devontae Parker in every draft, and he's okay. going okay, that's, that's, I that's, bad, that. that's bad decision-making. I can't do that's that, not. and I, I know that so you're a, a stand for Will Fuller, but I, I can't do that. What about Jarvis Landry, who we talked about on the show earlier this week? Uh, the injury could keep his value low. Would you rather have Landry or Devontae Parker? Yeah, Landry's undervalued every year of his career. He outproduces his ADP every season, has never been lower than, I think, wide receiver 31, never missed a game. No question I would take Jarvis Landry. I've got Parker ahead of Landry. I've got Parker ahead of – there's two guys that are real close for me, McLaurin and Ridley. I've got him ahead of them. I could see that changing, but he's still going to be a low-end number two receiver for me. And another player who I have as a low-end number two wide receiver is Odell Beckham. And I'm the low guy on the site. Jamie's got him at 29th overall. Heath, you're right next to him, 31st overall. I've got him 49th overall. I know he played hurt last year, but he, he's dealt with injuries now three straight seasons. And I, I just wonder how much credit should we keep giving Odell Beckham for his first three years when the past three years he just kind of hasn't given us what we've wanted. And I don't know if that warrants a third-round pick. So what do you see in Odell that I'm missing? Because I'm I'm nervous about him ever going back to being a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. I am just going to adjust Odell Beckham every time I do a projections adjustment. And one week I'm going to be high on him, and the next week I'm going to be low on him because I have absolutely no idea. I agree with you completely about the injuries. and that like He played 16 games last year. That's fantastic. But it wasn't the but same. But it Odell. was marred by injury. Yeah, he that's the, ex- wasn't the, the excuse. He, he's already had surgery, I believe, since the season yeah. let out. True. Um, he was not like 
functionally the number one wide receiver on the team last year. Jarvis Landry was. Baker Mayfield was not good, and I know Ben believes that was all Freddie Kitchens' fault, and maybe it was, although some people might believe that him being good his rookie year was all because Freddie Kitchens. I think we people maybe even said that credited Freddie Kitchens for what Mayfield did. So I just I'm it's all uncertainty for me. Um, I worry a little bit that Beckham is more likely to have an outburst in year two in Cleveland. Like he made it through all of last year without any um, sideline problems. And like Baker he Mayfield didn't attack any nets. is the kind of guy that could make you attack him, not a net. <laughs> the way that he well, talked were, about his teammates last year. There were year. reports that Beckham was telling opposing sidelines to come get him, right? Like mm-hmm. that started oh, and then... Yeah. So like he terrifies me. I think Odell Beckham could be the number one wide receiver in fantasy next year. And I think he could play like four games. You're, as biggest, far as ceiling and floor goes, yeah. Okay. The biggest... Ben? The biggest thing with all the dysfunction in Cleveland to me that I keep going back to is the the Todd Monken thing, which wasn't covered heavily. I've referenced it a few times. There are reports out there that late in the season, prior to games, he was talking to coaches on other teams, talking about how much of a mess uh, things were in-house for Cleveland. And when you have a coach, a longtime coach, talking to other coaches and saying those things, like he's the offensive coordinator of the team. And he was saying similar things to the media. You know, he was not happy in a lot of his interviews. If you heard him talking about the way that they were implementing things, I just really, I really, really strongly believe that everything that happened in Cleveland last year was in a, like it, from a statistical standpoint was influenced by just not a very good year, right? Like just a, a, a little bit of an anomaly in terms of what they could potentially be. And then you add in, most receivers do struggle when they go to new teams, right? Like we saw Allen Robinson go to Chicago, and it wasn't even clear if he was their clear number one. And then a year two, he's discounted in drafts last year and really steps into what Allen Robinson's potential is now that he's caught passes from Mitchell Trubisky from a year. Yes, they're going to all have to learn a new offense again here in Cleveland, but Odo Beckham now has at least played with Baker Mayfield. They know each other's personalities a little bit. They're both fiery guys. Hopefully they can work together a little bit better in year two, and Odo Beckham's talent can shine through a little more. I'm also concerned that this new offense in Cleveland will be more run-focused and more run-based yes. because they've got two really good running backs, and it just makes sense. Use Nick Chubb, use Kareem Hunt, and I'm assuming that Kareem Hunt's still going to be in Cleveland. Uh, he's a restricted free agent. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, and and that'll just that'll further hurt Odell. Play action could be in his favor, but this is going to be Kevin Stefanski's now in charge. And although he hasn't said he's going to be the play caller there, one would assume that his offense will be similar to what we saw in Minnesota. And he learned a lot from Gary Kubiak, and it's going to be a West Coast system. So uh, Odell's someone that makes me nervous. I don't well, want to. Re- I don't. I feel like it's reaching. If it's round two, I think if it's round three, I think a lot of people will see his name there. And they'll take him. And I think that that's too soon. There's other receivers I think have a little bit more upside. And if Stefanski is playing called, I think we should expect them to be a slow team because um, a guy in his first year as a head coach that's also handling play calling duties is probably not going to be very quick in terms of how quickly he gets those play calls in. Assuming he's calling the plays. And if it's not him, it could be one of his, his assistants that's doing it. They just haven't said yet what direction they're going to go in. Three tight end busts. Jared Cook is one of them. Hunter Henry is one of them. Zach Ertz is one of them. I think Cook is probably the probably the least sexy name on this list, so let's get him out of the way. Ben, that's your bust. He's a consensus 11 tight end, 11th tight end for us in PPR and non-PPR. 
I almost think that he's like a streaming tight end and that you're just going to draft him late because you like the matchups early on against New Orleans. But are you saying that you wouldn't even take him no matter who he plays for the start of the season? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, career high nine touchdowns last year on just 43 catches, just 65 targets. Like, you, it's really, really hard to be that productive on 65 targets. Uh, he did miss a little bit of time here and there, but you're talking about an offense that flows through Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. He also had a career high yards per target of 10.8. That's by over a yard from his previous career highs. So even if his targets bump up a little bit, there's no way he's as effective yards per target or touchdown per target than he was in 2019. So, I, you know, without the touchdowns, Cook really wasn't anything this year. He was a very much a touchdown or bust tight end. And and you can bet on that again. I He's he's old enough now. And um, yes, he's in a good offense, but he's just somebody that I, I wouldn't make that bet on. For me, Hunter Henry is a bust because Jamie and Heath have him as a round six pick. In the case of Jamie, it's at the very tail end of round six. And I'm a little nervous to take him at that point just because we don't know we don't know where he's going to be playing. We don't know who his quarterback's going to be. He was top 10 in consistency. He was top 10 in fantasy points per game last year. That's in PPR and non-PPR for both. That's really good for a tight end. I think he's going to be one of those first seven tight ends that get drafted. I just don't know if he's got the potential to finish as a top three, four, even top five tight end. I think he's good. I just don't think he's amazing. Uh, situation will change. You know, you put him in New England to be the next Gronk, for example, and Tom Brady's still in New England. Yeah, I could probably change my tune on that. But if he stays in L.A. and it's Tyrod Taylor, I mean, we know what he, he can and can't do. I think he'll be good. I just don't think he'll be great. Yeah, I don't like he was top what seven or eight in consistency or did you say top 10 top 10 so i'll get you the exact number hold on like i expect that he's going to be as good or maybe a little bit better than he was last year um i think talent wise he's one of the top five or six tight ends in the nfl there is a landing spot that could cause me to drop him just a little bit i think we all pretty much agree with where austin where austin hooper and hunter henry are kind of back to back in that after the top five guys until we see where they land. But there's also a world in which Hunter Henry ends up in Atlanta with Matt Ryan. Cause, oh, that would be fun. Right. So I, I, like right now we just don't really know. I do disagree with the idea that Hunter Henry couldn't be a top three tight end. I think in the right circumstance with the, with the right quarterback and system, he could absolutely be that. He had seven games last year with 11 or more PPR points. It's not bad. He finished eighth in uh, consistency at the tight end position. All right, the beat ball. Zach Ertz, that's the big one. Uh, I still think he's worth it in late round three. Jamie does as well. Heath, you're not taking him until the tail end of round four. Um, he was the four, number four tight end in PPR last year, number five in non. He was ninth in consistency, both PPR and non. So technically, Hunter Henry was more consistent on a per-game basis than Zach Ertz was. Is that part of the reason why you're not feeling Ertz, or is there a lot more going on here that we don't know about? His season was saved by all the wide receivers getting hurt. Because Dallas Goddard came for a chunk of his targets and got them. And I'm not saying Dallas Goddard's better than Zach Ertz, but they are both going to be used. And I don't, like they will throw to tight ends more than any other team in the NFL, but they won't throw to tight ends to the extent they did last year, assuming that they have one or two competent wide receivers for 16 games. And so I think you're seeing a target reduction for Zach Ertz. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Goddard gets an even bigger share next year. He's the one whose career is on the upswing. He had 156 targets in 2018, and we knew that that number was going to come down in 2019. 
But the number only fell to 135 on. Right. Um, That's still pretty damn good for a tight end. It is pretty good for a tight end. He is not a Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle in terms of yards per target. He's going to need to have an elite target number to be one of the top three guys. What do you think about touchdowns? He had six last year, eight before that, eight before that. So eight, eight, six his last three years in terms of touchdowns. I would imagine that he might see lighter coverage or looser coverage in the red zone if Philadelphia can add some good receiver targets. It forces the double team to come off of Ertz. Yeah, it's just like if you're a de- – I don't know what the answer to this question is. If you're a defense in the red zone, Goddard and Ertz are both on the field. Who's the primary tight end you're covering in the red zone? That's a good call. I would imagine Ertz could still be the first one that you'll go with, and that's why Goddard could end up having a decent year after all. Do you still did you have Goddard in your top twelve at tight end? I've got him number eight. Okay, so maybe that's one of the reasons why you like. Oh, it's completely yeah. I've got I've got him five and eight. I've got two top eight tight ends on the same team, which is wild. But yeah, Ben, do you think that Zach Ertz falls below a hundred targets this year? He's given you at least that many. He's gotten hundred plus targets each of the last five seasons. No, no, I think he'll stay above 100. But I do agree with Heath that he's not somebody that I want to take it at where his price will be. I've got him at 130 targets. And so he's going to catch a bunch of those. Yeah, 80, yeah, 87 catches, 900 yards, six touchdowns. So just about what he had last year, no? Isn't sure. that pretty close to what he had last it's, year? Uh, it's very close, yeah. And he was a top five tight end. Right. Not I've got three. him fifth. Right. So you've got, who do you have higher than him? Andrews and Waller. Okay. So you think that there. There's <coughs> a chance that Hooper or Henry could go ahead. I agree because those guys could end up in the perfect situation. You can certainly make that case. I have a hard time putting Waller. Full PPR, I guess it's not that hard. But in non-PPR, uh, I would have a harder time to do it. All right. There's your food for thought for today, everybody. You're not drafting anytime soon unless you're in one of Heath's uh, fantasy best ball leagues or if you're in an omni fantasy league with the ombudsman of omni fantasy and that would be ben gretch but we thank you for listening and hopefully we've given you some players to think about if you have a comment or a thought about anybody that we've talked about drop us a line fantasy football at cbsi the letter i.com or tweet us at heath cummings sr on twitter i'm at dave richard on twitter ben has the very cool handle of you at yards yards per gretch right it's so yes. cool you remembered it. Yeah, yards per <laughs> Gretch. I, I, I wasn't sure if it was yards by Gretch or yards per Gretch, but I, I think that it's a pretty cool handle. Yards per Richard just doesn't have the same type of, of, uh, of ring to it. For Ben, for Heath, for producers Andrew Bomber, Ben Schrager, and Deb Dealey, I'm Dave Richard. Thanks for coming out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey.